Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. This is still the coronavirus quarantine edition, and I had a wonderful conversation with Mick Dudley today. He is a coach at CrossFit Tilt in Sudbury, Massachusetts, which is our home box for CrossFit, basically our daughters, <laughs> but sometimes my husband and I jump in for some workouts. But Mick and I met obviously through CrossFit and he is also a fellow sober warrior and had um, a conviction to tell his story and asked if he could join me on the podcast or maybe I asked him, I think after we had we had talked. And so that's what we did. We had a recording and um, it was a great episode, a great episode. And the main thing that I know he wants everyone to know and that I also want everyone to know is that if you're feeling dark, if you're feeling alone, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with mental illness, all of these things, you are not alone. You are not alone. And it's even harder to realize that right now during this time, but it is true. And so if you take anything out of this episode, Anything out of the message that I try and bring and that Mick's story brings today is that you're not alone. Please reach out and reach out to us. I will post his information. You have mine and we will be there for you. And we have, we both have communities. Um, Mick talks about how CrossFit Tilt has a community for you, even if you don't live here. <laughs> and I also have Grateful Sobriety, my online sobriety group. You can join at gratefulsobriety.com. So just know that you're not alone and just enjoy this episode with Mick Dudley from CrossFit Tilt. Hi, and welcome to the Same 24 Hours podcast. I'm Meredith Atwood, author of the book, The Year of No Nonsense. I'm a former attorney turned writer, speaker, and Ironman triathlete. Although right now, all I really like to do is lift weights. We all have the same 24 hours, but it's what we do in those hours that leads to our greatest health, happiness, and success. It's my goal to crack the code on a life of less nonsense so we can all make the most of our 24 hours. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to an episode of the Same 24 Hours podcast. This is the first one I'm actually recording as a podcast and not as some other meetup or live podcast. So it's a podcast, but it's video. And so this is fun. But I'm Meredith Atwood. I'm your host. And today I have CrossFit coach with CrossFit Tilt, Mick Dudley. Hi, Mick. Hi, how are you? Good, good. So we met Mick because we moved from Atlanta to Kansas to Massachusetts and uh, CrossFit Tilt 2 is in Sudbury and that is where the dear little rocket Stella has been going. And so sometimes I get pulled into workouts and my husband does too, but <laughs> Mick awesome. is one of the head coaches there and um, just he's got a great story that we've gotten to know each other. So yeah, we're going to chat today, and um, I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it. So, Mick, let's start back maybe with 2010. Let's let's hear a little bit about about your story and, and kind of this journey. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, 2010, I was um, in my junior year of college, um, and well, this is like a tough thing for me to talk about, but I think it's important to talk about so someone doesn't feel like they're the only one out there. Um, but in 2010, not to get sidetracked off of that, um, I had a basically what you would call a nervous breakdown, um, where everything like my anxiety, I was nervous and I just kind of went into a state of a little bit of just not like hallucinations, but just kind of blacking out and don't remember. And next thing I know I was, um, hospitalized and it was, um, you know, stress induced and, I, um, I knew I went through depression and stuff, but in 2010, I, I was diagnosed um, with a, a mental illness. Um, and, you know, it's been, it was a hard thing to, um, you know, accept and going through the stages from then. Um, when it started, it was very difficult. You felt like, you know, you were different or you were the only one in the world that has this now. And how am I going to, you know, go on with my life? How am I going to get through it? And, 
you know, how, what do I do? And working with the doctors and stuff, they always set me up for success. And, but then it was up to me after working with the doctors to live that life um, away from them. So I took a little time off from school and then I went back in 2011 and I graduated in 2012 um, with my liberal arts degree. And then from there, it was really challenging with, um, I was a college hockey player. So, you know, there was, it's college, right? So there's extracurricular activities that happen. And you also had your very lucrative liberal arts degree, which I, I too also had a very lucrative liberal arts degree that yep. I did. I ended up working at an eyeglass store afterwards. So <laughs> yes, I know that. <laughs> so, uh, with that, it, it was tough being, you know, I was, I was taking my medication. I was doing the right things I had to do during the day, but you know, the party scene and stuff, I just, I couldn't let go of that. And it, and it, it like clashed together between medication and that. Um, but you know, blessed that I ended up graduating from college. And then when I got out, I, I wanted to become a firefighter and so I, I always like physical fitness was always a big thing in my life. Um, and for the time being, I was working at UPS, just like picking up any shift I could. Um, and then I transferred to a, a beverage distributor. So I was working there and um, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And on my weekends, I was just drinking myself uh, to, to blackouts. You know, whenever I drank, I blacked out and on top of the medication, I just blacked out faster. Yeah, uh, I spiraled into super depression. And, you know, uh, my last job that I had back in 2013, I, I walked off. I, it was a late night job and it was the third, third shift. And I walked to the guy, I said, listen, this, you know, there's more to life than what I'm doing here. And I'm not saying anything bad about what we're doing or what you're doing. This is your, your business. But for me personally, there's, there's something other that I'm supposed to do, you know, and, um, from that I, I walked off and then, you know, I was living at home. I didn't know what to do. Um, I love physical fitness. I, I knew of CrossFit from college cause my strength coach was like, Hey buddy, you know, after college hockey's over, you're going to have to find something to do, <laughs> you know, like, I lived and breathed hockey my whole life and, you know, I wish someone had told me that when I quit Olympic weightlifting, like, you know, you're going to have to find some physical fitness to do instead of just drinking beer and eating pizza. <laughs> yes. And he, he totally warned me. Um, but he took me, um, and he was our strength coach. So one day when I was a sophomore, he was like, Hey, come check this out on my computer. And it was the CrossFit games. And it was like, uh, I think it was Jason Kalipo was taking his hammer and like pounding this thing. And then they were doing double unders and Chris Spieler was there. And these guys, I, I had no idea who they were. And I was like, man, that's crazy. I, I don't even, I don't even know what they're doing. I'm, I'm a hockey guy. Like, what are you talking about? And, you know, he warned me that hockey can only go so far, you know, and, uh, so I just remember that. And I, and I searched CrossFit because my workout routine gut boring it's just so boring I, I i knew what to do but i wasn't training for anything anymore um so i looked into it and i found it in a local affiliate at home and it was just kind of like you know it was a worn out warehouse um and i showed up and i was just like where is everybody you know like <laughs> it started it was it was abandoned like warehouse and you know douglas is a small town in the middle of the sticks and you know where i'm from and uh, she showed up with her dog and she took me through a workout and i was like you know i'm i'm just gonna have an open mind and i'll do whatever you tell me to do you know and from that point on i i was hooked on the workouts and even though it wasn't like a big group class setting, it was just me and her and she kind of helped me out a lot. And then um, I asked about the certification and I went and got my certifications and um, a guy there, uh, Austin Maliolo, I asked him like, hey, you know, what do I do now? And his thing was find an internship and learn how to coach. Like 
you're getting the certifications and you know the movements and we do the practicals and stuff but the only way to be a real good coach is to learn from other good coaches you know so um i reached out to a bunch of gyms for an internship and you know in 2013 that same year i landed an internship at crossfit new england um Nice. That's not a shabby place to do an internship. <laughs> no, 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 it was not. And um, I was unofficially the official um, intern there to start. So that was pretty cool. And, you know, long story short, the world of CrossFit is a, is a big community, but it's also like a small community. And um, that's where I met uh, my best friend, Max Isaac, who is now the owner of CrossFit Tilt. So I met him there. He helped me with the internship, and now I'm a part of his gym um, and a head coach at Tilt Sudbury with him. So it goes way back um, as to how I got to Tilt and stuff. But you know, CrossFit was huge for me. Um, not only physically, I wasn't. That was just a bonus, but the mental part really helped me um, a lot because I. I mean. Yeah. And I think we talked about it right before we came on, like, cause your journey, like this kind of decade long journey, I, mine was the same. And it started with, with triathlon for me. And because there's so much of a connection between our mind and our body Huge. and so much of when we're suffering in our mind can be not, alle- not necessarily cured or alleviated, but alleviated somewhat from moving our body so was that part of your healing was having that Mm -hmm. so so it started to give me something to look forward to um you know before leading up to finding it I, i was in the darkest of all places you know i was i was drinking to not wake up the next day i was like this is it and i i had multiple times where um you know i took all my medication, I overdosed, I, you know, had to get my stomach pumped and I was in a really low, but, um, the, the CrossFit made me look forward to going to the gym the next day. And I I just couldn't wait to get back. And it just made me feel good. It made me feel part of something, especially being so alone where out of college, all my friends were scattered around Massachusetts. Um, I was living with my dad and uh, it it wasn't an easy time. So uh, yeah, the, the physical fitness part was a bonus, but mentally it, it helped me a lot. It, it yeah. created structure. Yeah. It, I look forward to getting up. I, I wasn't drinking as much um, because I wanted to see how, how fit I could get. Cause I was like on the computer seeing all these guys super fit. And I'm like, they got to be doing something right. And you know what? I'm just going to have an open mind and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so yeah. interesting though. Cause I know we had talked a little bit about your hockey and then I have the parallel with weightlifting and then we stopped doing that. And then we fell into this depression and then we fell into this addiction. And um, it's so, there's gotta be something there. It's like we had a purpose and then that purpose ended, you know, purpose, because obviously we have bigger purposes, whatever. But like we had a thing. You had hockey, I had weightlifting. Right. And then it stopped. And right. then we fell into this depression. And I did not actually acknowledge that <laughs> until like two years ago. And I was like, oh my God, I think I was depressed that weightlifting ended. Yeah. I lost part of my community. Mm-hmm. I lost part of my, I, I lost my identity. I was, I was Meredith, the weightlifter, you know, that was who I was. And I, I lost that. And um, that, that was huge and CrossFit and triathlon or whatever, and even your gym gives you that somewhat of your identity back or a purpose. And it's, it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, no, de- definitely. And, um, completely can agree with that. Um, you feel you're like, oh, what do I do now? Um, yeah. you know, especially like with my degree, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. You could have done eyeglasses like I did. (laughs) At least you didn't go to law school. I was like, I guess I better go to law school. That was a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if I could do law school. It was dumb. You're you're smarter than I am for not doing doing that. But when you said that you would um, drink to not wake up the next day, 
I always, I mean, I had, I had a suicide attempt at 21, but I had like from the time I was 20 until the time I was 30, till, till the time I quit drinking at 35, 36, I always had thoughts of it. And it, it was not until recently that I made the connection that it wasn't that I necessarily wanted to die. I just didn't want to suffer anymore. I, yeah. I didn't want that life. I didn't want that version of life. And I think that is how I've been able to categorize what happened. Because when I look back, I find it hard to believe that I was that low. Mm -hmm. But I know I was <laughs> because I was. Um, but when I look back, I realize it, it's just that I didn't want to live that version of the life I was living. So does that feel like kind of how it was for you? Yeah. Yeah. That, that would, um, you know, I lost what I loved and then, you know, I always had ups and downs, um, throughout my whole life. I mean, I remember times when uh, I was in high school at night, I would just go to bed and I'd start randomly crying and I was like, well, what, what's going on? you know, and I always had little things like that. But, um, you know, when, when I lost hockey, but when I drank and stuff, I, I felt alone. And I think uh, a lot of the stuff too, could be when I grew up, my parents split, and I just had a lot of anger inside. As a kid, I was very upset um, that my parents parted ways because for me, I only had one dad, one mom, and I just wanted to have this big, happy family. Um, so that took a lot on me, and sports was my outlet. Mm. You know, that made me feel good. And when it was over, I was like, holy shit, like, that's it. You know, I, yeah. I, I lost a purpose um, that gave me a name, you know. Um, I used to have a number on my back and played for something that was meaningful. And I needed to find that meaningfulness again. Um, Did you find when your parents split that there was a sense that you needed to keep those emotions to yourself, that you needed to keep mom and dad happy separately? And so you were busy making sure they were okay and you pushed down a lot of your emotions? Because I know that's where a lot of my anger I mean, my parents were together, but I had anger for other reasons and anger was not a tolerable emotion in my house. And so I was expected to keep that to myself. <laughs> and so yeah. I did, I did. And I ate myself into anger and I picked up a slew of amazing, you know, behaviors to cope with it. And so I just wonder if that was similar for you too. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I live with my dad. Um, I was... I was 12 and then my mom was, you know, all, she had a boyfriend and stuff and that really upset me. Um, but being always concerned about mom and dad, I was always with dad because I just, I couldn't be with mom if it wasn't just mom, you know, and it was always just dad. So oh, yeah. I was always happy when it was just one parent. Um, but for me, like a, all my emotions and stuff when I was younger, I just put into my sport. So I took something that was negative and yeah. I had to put it positively into something. And I would literally exert myself, whether I was playing baseball or I was playing hockey, because those were my two major sports. And then I found out about how you train for hockey and stuff to get better because I want, I was getting to that level where I wanted to go to the next level. And how do you get that advantage besides, you know, shooting pucks in your basement and stick handling golf balls in the kitchen. You know? <laughs> so, um, I started lifting weights and I started feeling great after, you know, I felt like, man, this makes me feel real good. And I didn't realize it was the endorphins that were, you know, getting pumped into me and I, I felt great. Um, but I, I always looked out i've been a caring person my whole life having a brother and always looking out for him being my younger brother um so you know if anything i made sure he was okay all the time you know and he was my my number one that i i looked after growing up um because right so you ended up being almost an, another parent for your brother and so yeah, to do yeah. that you had to sometimes push down your emotions in order to make sure he was okay right Right. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. I've just seen it a lot in, in our community with people that sober community, especially that there was a lot of, of suppressed 
emotions and yeah. that as we got older that that behavior played out in Jeez. in addiction yeah 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 it um it would it would blow up you know i remember numerous times where i would drink and i would i would just all of a sudden you know happy go lucky and then just snap yes that yeah. was me i was fun until i wasn't <laughs> yeah. 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 a lot yeah. the best drunk out there until like oh now you're not <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I remember those days clear as day um but like through the through the crossfit um, drinking started to take a back seat. Mm. Um, and I started, you know, fit, fitness was my thing, you know, staying active, doing CrossFit. And then, you know, that helped replace that bottle, but it was still there, you know, yeah. still in the back of my mind. I was like, you know, everything about the addiction to that bottle that made me numb the the feelings of loneliness and stuff. And, I would just like every six months or so I would go get a huge drunk on and mm -hmm. not know the next day what happened, where I was and thank God I'm still here type stuff. And, um, through CrossFit, I then was able to clean it up. You know, I was able to get sober. It's 2020 now, four years ago and how I used to look after my younger brother all the time. He looked after me. And, you know, I wouldn't be sober today if it wasn't for him. I would still be sneaking, you know, every six months, just time went on and getting it out of the system, you know. Um, but we went to Narragansett where we do like a brother's weekend because he was working in Boston and I was um, working at CrossFit New England at the time. And uh, he just, we just went out to eat one night and I was waiting for us to drink and He's like, no, man, I'm not drinking. I go, why not? We always drink on, you know, brothers, brothers week together. Vacation. Like, let's go. And uh, it's like, no, you're, you're not, you're not going to drink anymore. And I was just like, what do you mean? He's like, no one wants to have this conversation with you, but I'm going to have it with you. And you and alcohol don't go together. And wow. uh, here's why, you know, and he, he, he hit me. But he did it because he loved me, you know, and uh, that was a that was a tough rest of the week. But we did things like you're like, well, that just ruined brother's weekend. <laughs> Thanks oh, a lot. Yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, so what do we do? <laughs> what do we do? I know. What do you do if you don't get drunk? Yeah. yeah well, we're supposed to be hitting the beaches. It's July. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was kind of like you know, you have like that intervention with someone and, or, or your family, it gets bad to where everyone just like is affected around you. And I affected him, you know, ever since I started drinking, he would always say it, you know, he's like, you're such a jerk after you, when you get past that limit of, uh, of, of drinks and he's like, you just get angry. And then he just said, let's like, came to a point, he's like, you're done, you know? And, it was hard for me to accept that and i took a long deep look within myself and then i had to accept it and what was your initial reaction though like when when you're sitting there at the restaurant and he says that or did you get angry you're like well i don't need to drink to get angry i'm angry at you now <laughs> like dude i'm about to order one right now if you don't know <laughs> right that would have been me see i i didn't have an i mean i guess people had tried to tell me over the years my my mom just gave me that she would count my drinks you know i'd see her doing it and so that would just make me drink i never drank harder than when my parents were counting my drinks mm -hmm. um but I, I don't know how I would have taken it if someone sat me down and said, someone yeah. should have, um, but how, how did, how did you take it? I, I was, I was, I was kind of like, I didn't see it coming. You know, I felt, yeah. I felt almost blindsided because, you know, we go down to the beach and stuff and we get a, a couple of drinks going on, on the beach. And um, then all of a sudden this year, that year, I was like, no man and this is why and it's not funny it's this is this serious conversation and uh i was just like i felt bad in a way you know because i was always the older brother looking out and you now, felt like shame like the shame kind of yeah, kicked I, I in felt like i let him down 
you know, and I was, I was embarrassed um, because I know of all the nights we went out, you know, what I, what I did and, you know, we'd get in fights and I remember one scene we went to Assumption College and we got in a fight and the cops like had us in cops and mom and dad are there the next day and I don't remember what happened and, you know, that was just how an example and there were many nights like that and um, he helped me. Um, but I, I was shocked. I didn't see it coming, but it's been a blessing. Was that it for you? Like, was that your last drink? I mean, you didn't... Um, that was, yeah, that was it. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, January, I remember I just saw my, my sister, um, my niece and my brother, Rob, the one who had the sit down with me in Boston and I was driving home and I take a left onto my street and there's this little uh, like kind of hole in the wall type place. And I was getting pulled in and that was, that was January. And that was the last time I actually drank. It was like a walk down the street for me and I just got myself blasted. I walked in and just started drinking. And then July, we had our vacation together that same year. And that's when he, you know, said, Hey, this is why you can't drink. And and he quite frankly basically looked at me and said i'm you know kind of ashamed of you when you do you know like yeah so it was uh it was tough but you know what it it did a lot of good you know um because i wouldn't be here and i had numerous scares yeah uh, and i'm thankful for it you know and he's proud yeah. of me you know earlier today at like three o'clock we were he called me up and he lives in california now sunny and 75 and we just we have great conversations you know and he's he's proud of me you know and if he doesn't say it i can always hear it in his voice and you know he's he's happy for me and i'm happy for him um so it's good yeah and it's it's good i mean you, it sounds like you've had a lot of rock bottom moments but you you didn't have to hit that final rock bottom. And sometimes people don't bounce back from that. I know for me, I didn't have an intervention, but I was sitting in a parking lot and, you know, call it God, call it whatever. I just had the certainty wash over me that I was not going to be alive in a year. I just, I just knew it. It was almost like I could feel it that there was two paths. And if I kept going down this one, I was just going to be dead. And whether it was, it was a suicide or an accident. Um, but I, and I've told this story, I know before, but that I used to just think I'd drive myself into a tree. Mm -hmm. And that was how I was going to go because it could be a perceived accident. <laughs> you know, no one would be disappointed in me if I, I just would be gone or I would be very, and then I started to think, well, no, you'll probably with your luck, you'll just be maimed and ugly, <laughs> like just a big gash across your face for the rest of your life. Um, but yeah, that was what it was for me. It was almost like a self intervention, um, just with a certainty that it was going to, going to be over. And as I've always thought, you know, I, I run into people and, and I know that they're drinking too much and I know that they're suffering. Mm -hmm. and I always wonder if I should say something and you would think after you know kind of where you and I've been that we would be really sure on that are you sure on on what you do when you encounter someone and you you think man mm -hmm. they're suffering in a way I know very well like have you ever intervened with someone um yeah a, a few people actually um you know like and, it, and it's all been in the realm of CrossFit. And it's funny how some, you can help others more than just like a workout. And that's, that's why I do what I do. Cause I care about people. It's, you know, bigger than the workouts and you get, you get to know everybody in the CrossFit community. And, um, you know, I've come across people within the whole big spectrum of CrossFit and they have used CrossFit as, you know, now their new addiction. But when you, talk to someone, ask how they're doing. And they, they talk about their weekend before or they're like, man, I'm really struggling today. Or, you know, I, I said, I usually say like, is this like an all the time thing? You know, how, how are you doing with it? You know, 
Um, I was like, honestly, I, I, I just kind of share what, what I go through. And I'm like, yeah. you know, I can relate to that. I used to drink a lot and I got into some really deep holes with it. And, um, you know, if you ever need help or anything, just know, like, you know, I'm in recovery and sobriety. And if you need to talk or something, I'm here for you. Cause, cause I know what it's like when you start, you know, besides my brother having the conversation with me, I had to figure out, all right, what do I do now to stay sober? And, you know, I, I continued on with CrossFit, but then I looked into going to a few meetings and just, I would get in there and just sit and I would listen. I didn't want to like raise my hand. I, I just wanted to listen and, you know, know that I'm not the only one. And, uh, but when I do, not to get off topic, but when I do run into someone or come in conversation, someone having a hard time, I just ask them, I just tell them that, you know, I'm here if you ever, ever want to talk or if you think that, you know, maybe alcohol or drugs and stuff are affecting your life in a negative way, you know. And so I, I've, you know, created this group of friends and family that now I found are in the same boat I am, you know, um, in sobriety and recovery. And we call, we chat. I mean, you know, things work out um, kind of funny sometimes. And, you know, Casey, who's my girlfriend, her her dad's 13 years sober. Oh, wow. Um, no kidding. So, you know, we got a, a close-knit relationship and we always kind of hash it out if we got to talk about things. And so he's been a huge, um, you know, help for me. And then, um, yeah, I've just, you start to find friends who are sober and it's really cool. You yeah. Know? It's funny when you're drinking, you think everyone drinks. And then when yeah. you get sober, all of a sudden, all the sober people pop up and you're yeah. like, wait a minute, not everyone drinks. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Well, um, I was going to ask you something about, um, so Casey, did you guys date before you were sober or you've been sober your whole time, your whole relationship? So I was, I was sober a year before we started dating. Um, and it's funny cause I took her dad through CrossFit and showed him the ropes of CrossFit and stuff. And I coached at a gym, um, where they were going and then, I went off and did my own gym for a little while and me and Casey started, started dating um, and seeing each other. But I knew her dad, I knew <laughs> Casey, like she came in one time at a gym I was coaching at and dropped in. And then I was working at the gym where she went and she brought her dad in for a bring a friend day. And then I took him through his intro to CrossFit. And um, so, yeah, I was sober a year before and then we started dating and I, within that year, I think at the end of the year, when I got my first coin, um, her dad gave me the coin and wow. it was, um, it was his coin that he got, um, out in Nevada. Um, and he said it was like very special to him because this is, was the year that he was at his worst and at his, you know, most out of control. and. Um, a hard time for him. So he gave it to me. And that was the year I and I was sober. And then I started kind of opening up about it and talking about it, being sober and trying to help others. And people just kind of started reaching out via like a direct message on Instagram or Facebook right. and text and, you know, friends that I used to go to college with and play hockey with were like, dude, we're so proud of you. Like, I'm like, man, these are guys I used to party with. And be like, oh, <laughs> they're the ones that are actually the most proud because they saw it. And the they're like, we can't like, believe he did that. He's sober yeah, now. <laughs> um, yeah, like they would get me going. They're like, Duds, he's up on the table dancing again. Like, Duds? Is that what they called you? Duds? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah. and you bring up such a good point um, th that I think when we're in the darkness, that we think we're the only ones down in the hole, mm -hmm. that the light way up above is just not for us. Like we're never going to get there and we're utterly alone. And you just hit such a major point because same thing happened for me when I, I went 12 weeks 
sober before I told anyone. And then when I did, I posted it on my blog. I wrote a big, long post. I'm 90 days sober, <laughs> but you guys didn't know I had a problem. Huh? <laughs> and people were like, no, no, we didn't. But I'm eight years sober. Yeah. And I got hundreds of emails and I got comments that I can't, you know, I have to quit. I mean, it just, I was so shocked. And yet here we are when we're in the middle of it, thinking no one is going through this and no one understands. And, and the opposite, the opposite yep. is actually true. Like there are so many of us, so, so, so many of us. And, and if you're going through that and you're listening or watching this, you are so not alone. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you may feel it, but you're not. Yeah. This is, we've all been there, all of us on this side of the fence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially, you know, when I did get sober being like living alone too, you know, all I, all I had was the gym when I was coaching yeah. and working out. And when I go home, I didn't have anything, you know? And you, when you're sober and you're by yourself and mom and dad are at home and your brother's out in California and they're like, what do I do now? You know, and I would go sit in on meetings. I would research, I would read about it. And, you know, world has things of working its way out for the better if you put in the work, you know, and you, you find where you're supposed to be and how people come into your life is really cool. Yeah. What were some of your early sobriety kind of hacks? I know for me, I had, I had two that were really beneficial and one was to change my location. So I had a chair, I sat in and drank my wine and watched my TV. And so I changed my location. I didn't sit in that chair for almost seven or eight months. I just yeah. didn't sit in the, my drinking chair anymore. And I, so I changed my location, which meant after dinner, I did not sit there. I would go up and get a bath. I would just do something different. Yep. to break the cycle. And then I also journaled. I wrote anytime I thought about drinking, anytime the darkness was closing in. Cause for the first three weeks, the darkness was like something I cannot explain. Mm -hmm. It was a force that I thought I'm either going to fight this <laughs> with all of my weapons yeah. or this darkness is going to eat me alive. It was like one moment to the next. I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And then I'm like, Oh God, just like ride it out. And so anytime I had that cloud sweep in like the I cannot breathe darkness that's when I would write I would just take to this journal and stream of conscious write and I have a whole this size journal full from three weeks of early sobriety and it's some of the craziest darkest stuff that will yeah. ever be written <laughs> it's yeah. crazy I, yep yeah but did you do anything like that in the first the early sobriety um for me what I did is I I read a lot you know, I, I, and it wasn't like, um, reading the big book or, you know, all the steps and stuff like that, that stuff's important. If that, if that works for you, then, then awesome. But for me, I needed to know that I'm not the only one. Um, so I think the, the cool thing was I started reading memoirs or like about, you know, researching and just seeing that famous people are sober or, you know, people reaching out, but things that I did was just like expand my knowledge on sobriety. You know, I kind of nerded out on it um, in a way that was going to help me. Um, but uh, what I did is I, I just wanted to know that I wasn't the, any, the only one. And I, I would go to a meeting on Sunday nights because during the week I'm, I'm busy. I live a busy lifestyle, you know, at the gym at six, don't leave the gym till eight. Eight. <laughs> That keeps me busy, you know, like that's a good little helping mix now that I'm not drinking or out late um, and have to get to bed early, get up early. But um, I would go sit in on a meeting. Um, my nutrition changed. I, I had a sweet tooth. Um, and that was one of those things that was, they said, your taste buds get better after you stop drinking, drugging. And I could definitely tell that after I had a pint of Ben and Jerry's on a Saturday night. <laughs> um, but um, I, I just cleaned up my nutrition and I started getting a routine where, you know, I'd get up early. I would make my coffee. That was the first thing I did. I would sit in front of the news, see what was going on. And then I would put the, the news on mute. And I, I did have a book that I wrote in 
and a lot of it was just um positive stuff you know um and i i listened to a lot of stuff on youtube a lot of eric thomas stuff um a lot of les brown speeches and it was just all you know looking for positive things that could help me move forward um and and like les brown stuff was like the best um some joel olstein stuff um so like doing that type of stuff like motivational speakers really helped um and i i did write in a small little book and i started to post it on instagram and give people hope to help them if they're struggling with addiction and you know drinking and drugging so um yeah so i i i did a lot of research and stuff and I did that too. I read a lot of, I think they call it quitlet now, mm. but a lot of memoirs like Carolyn Knapp's Drinking a Love Story, I read. That was one that was really eye-opening for me because um, it was the first time where I thought other people have this issue because she mm. was just a, a woman who appeared to have it all together. Mm. And she was at her parents' house over Christmas, just going back and forth between her bedroom drinking. And I thought, oh gosh, that's me at my parents' house, you know, and just like doing that too. Other people do that too. And then um, I read Dry by Augustine Burroughs, which was fantastic. And I remember when I first got sober, I, I told my mom about it. And I had told her, I said, mom, I'm going to tell you something, but I do not want to have a conversation about it. I'm just telling you so you know, but I've decided to, to be sober. And she starts in, she's like, oh my goodness, I've been one. And I said, I just told you, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> and I didn't at the time. And I said, but I'll tell you, I'm reading a memoir called Dry and it's interesting. You may want to read it. And so she ended up reading it and she said, is that what your life's like? And I'm like, Ma, never mind. <laughs> like just <laughs> never mind. Um, because she doesn't have an addictive bone in her body. But it is it is important to realize that everyone has a story. Yep. And we're all not that different. No. No. Everyone's got their thing. Yeah. And and there's a lot of people that that, that need help or are, are lost right now. And and I just I know with the first like two to three months was like you feel you get to a really bad place and you're, you're scared and you're here you definitely hit the sadness um yeah and um i i have you know a couple friends um people that i've met who are you know recently getting sober and stuff and we talk on the phone they're going through a hard time and i'm just like hey i'm right here you know i know what it's like and it's normal you know like to feel the way you do and it's okay you know that's yeah. the thing and I, I don't if this can you know talking about it here can help that one person who's really struggling you know that that's what i want i wanted to help that person right. um you know you have these moments in life where you see something on tv or you watch a movie and you you start feeling it and it starts hitting you really hard and you know i remember watching certain movies and i'd start crying because i felt that's me you know I feel that way and um, it's nice to know you're not the only one and you can accomplish big things if you want to you yeah know? and you're younger than me but I, I just keep thinking gosh if I had gotten my hands on just some of these resources that are out there now for us you know 20 years ago like a well, one, what I've been, <laughs> what I've received it, but, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it could have stopped the pain to hear that another 22 year old girl was struggling and that alcohol was just coping. It was a way I had learned to cope in the world. And, and, and I think the stigma behind like, oh, it's this addiction and you're weak and get your shit together. It's not yeah. that. We just had a toolbox. <laughs> the tools in it were like a crayon and a monkey wrench. And we were told to go off into the world. And we're like, well, forget these tools. I think drinking is a better one. Yeah. And we just have to relearn them. We have to relearn how to cope with the world because the way we learned was just a little different than some people with healthier mechanisms. Yeah. And so... That's all it is. So what would you, what advice would you give for our world right now? I mean, tell, tell everyone a little bit about what CrossFit Tilt is doing. Cause I think you guys are just nailing it and, and maybe some advice on for, for people that are stuck at home and maybe trying to, to get through this not drinking thing. Yeah. So, um, 
what what we're doing at CrossFit Tilt is, you know, we had to close the doors, you know, doing the right thing, doing that. And uh, now we've started virtual classes, just like you would have like a virtual business meeting on Zoom. And uh, we have a coach on staff and then a demo who does the movements and we coach a full class just like we would, except now it's just us and a demo coach there taking everyone on the outside um, on the computer run through the class and you know we talk about the workout and it's it's mainly a lot of body weight stuff if you all you need is literally like a backpack or one dumbbell and we take you through the whole you know we try to keep classes to 50 minutes um and moving along and stuff but it's very interactive where you know we do the workout what it is we take people through a general warm-up then we go through a breakdown of the movement progression and before we go through like our warm-up round, we um, ask people to come off mute. And then if they have any questions, they can, you know, talk through the screen or they can type in the chat. And so we've been offering a virtual membership um, for our members, but also like those who don't have a gym anymore. I mean, this is a scary time in the CrossFit world and small businesses um, where they're having to close the doors. And we don't want to do that. We want to keep the community well, especially in this difficult time where physical fitness is very important and we know the benefits of it for your mind psychologically, you know, that that's how I relate to fitness. Like that helps my mental game a hundred percent. And, um, you know, everyone has their reasons for staying physically fit, but in this type of time, it's very important to take that one hour a day for yourself, um, for your body and mind. It's huge. You know, they work together. Um, are you guys onboarding new members like through this virtual membership? So if like someone wanted to join or how is it for existing members? So, so we're doing it for, for basically everybody, um, on the scope who, who would even like to try CrossFit. Like, um, it, it's so, so great. We had a, um, a member, was like, hey, my mom and dad would like to take tonight's class. Like, they're going to be hopping on. Is that okay? And this was in, like, I think early April, um, end of March. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely, you know. And they get on, and, you know, they're older, and they're in their living room. And we had a movement where you have a dumbbell, and they had, like, a, a can of soup or something. It was some kind of small can. I and love it. It was awesome, you know, like they're doing squats, like sitting down to the couch and standing up. And for me, like you get choked up when you see that. Yeah. You, I didn't know what to expect, but I was like, yeah, you know, awesome. Let's have them rock and roll. And oh, it was so like, it just hit your heart. And that's kind of what we we are all about. You know, we're we're in the caring business here, you know, like we care about people. And so that's why we're, you know, we don't want to shut down. We want to keep it going. And if we can expand to the world outside of our gym and help people all over the place, then, you know, the onboarding is just like, Hey, if you have a backpack, if you have a dumbbell, these are body weight movements, we can, you know, modify the volume. If it's like a hundred reps of something like let's cut those things in half and, you know, we can still see people on the screen. So we still coach them during the workout. You know, we put them up. I on know. I regretfully got on a few and you're like, come on, Meredith. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> they can see me. It yeah. was like a burpee workout and everyone yeah. was done. And Stella was like, you have to finish mom. And I was like, I'm the only one left. And they're cheering like, oh my God. Yes. Yeah. But you can turn your video off. You can, you can. <laughs> yes. You have that option on Zoom to shut the screen off. And you know. Worst. Yeah. Come on, Meredith. No. Yeah. Don't look at me. <laughs> Stop looking at me. But for anyone who, like, if you don't have a home box or a home gym or you you do and for whatever reason nothing's being offered, check out CrossFit Tilt. I guess, how would they, would it be Tilt, your, it would be your website, right? CrossFit yeah, Tilt 2? Um, yeah, CrossFit Tilt 2, which is like CrossFit Tilt II. II, yeah. CrossFit. Roman numerals that were very, like, sophisticated around here. Yeah. If you go to um, CrossFitTilt.com, it will um, have our three community gyms. Um, it'll have Southboro, um, Sudbury, and Waltham right up there. 
but mainly it's it's email um, me m i c k mick at crossfittilt.com or max at crossfittilt.com he's the uh, owner and my best friend um, who took me on as a coach a year ago and i knew him back in 2013 and we're brothers from another mother you know and yeah um, yeah well i will say the workouts are awesome and um you guys are doing an exceptional job. I mean, there is Zumba on Wednesdays. There's mobility. And this is the thing too. There's like a bodybuilding class. There's mobility. There's um, what endurance there's yoga. um, And then there's general like wads at 7am, 9am. I mean, around the clock. So you could really go fitness wild (laughs) for the membership. We do talk about the importance of rest days and recovery. (laughs) Did, uh, right, right, because all the CrossFit p- people are very good with balance. Because, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Mick, this was wonderful, and I just appreciate you, and I'm so thankful that you are telling your story, and that people like you are telling your story. Because this is how we get through this, and allow people yeah. to understand that they're not alone. And right huge there's something so and um for anyone who's interested along these lines um i have a secret facebook group um called grateful sobriety that is a starting point if you're you're newly sober or just need a community especially now um gratefulsobriety.com is available to you and of course um in there there's a lot of resources for other online meetings and just a good community of people like you (laughs) so well, thanks, Mick. Any other parting words? Um, no, we'll just uh, keep on keeping on one day at a time and light up the uh, darkness with some positive, you know? Yeah, sounds good. All right, Meredith. Thank you. All so- right. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Same 24 Hours. Remember to rate, review, and share this podcast. It really matters. I appreciate it. See you next time.